Okay, hey docs, we're live in the Chiropractic Freedom Show and uh, we are very pleased today to bring you Dr. Alex Smiljanic from uh, the Wellbeing Revolution. Um, and I brought uh, Dr. Alex in for a couple of reasons. Number one is that uh, she's run a very successful practice with a very unique model, which I think most of you are going to be interested in, in hearing. It's the, the membership model, the recurring revenue model. But also she has built an online coaching business. So similar to me, she built an online coaching business while she was in private practice, and she's now uh, bearing the fruit of that, getting that time freedom from having different revenue streams, having online revenue streams. So I, I'm sure there's going to be a huge amount of value that Dr. Alex can bring on the practice side as well as the online coaching or business side. And just as I start, he has one of my sons, and that's the beauty of working from home. But um. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, he knows now. He sticks his head in, and then if he hears me talking in this kind of loud voice, then he goes out again. Um, so welcome, Dr. Alex. And um, I think if we could start maybe giving us a, a brief rundown. You've got an interesting uh, last name, but you are British by accent. So um, tell us a bit about your background, uh, being a practitioner, and how you got into the coaching. Perfect. So, um, so yes, I am a Brit. My husband is originally, uh, he's French, but his family is Serbian, which is my Smiljanic slash, slash uh, Smiljanic uh, surname. Um, and I've been a chiro for about 15 years in practice now and um, worked in a, in a great clinic for four years, um, high volume base. So my kind of hey time was probably seeing about 200 patients a week and um, working in that space and then there came a time really to transition into running my own practice and it was yeah it was me in a room on my own you know marketing answering the phone booking patients um, spinal screening doing everything I possibly could to grow the practice and luckily I'd worked um, built two lists from scratch in, in the practice I was in so I was pretty confident that, that the list growth was going to be good and it, and it was and then we ended up with more space becoming available next door and okay, I was thinking okay let's take a team and in my mind I had that um, itch to be a leader you know I really wanted to lead and grow a team and teach and, and I love teaching that's kind of probably why we do wellbeing revolution um and now we have a, a large team so we have seven chiros and two sports therapists and then four administrative team that are center managers we've got a clinical manager that helps us as well um and we have a, a membership model based practice so practice style has changed considerably so i'm now on a 15 minute appointment working out of one room rather than you know, doing two acrosses backwards and forwards and things like that. Mm, yeah. um, I missed the pace. That that was good fun. Um, but I'm really big on patient connection and communication. And mm. I love this side of practice. And we have about 700 uh, well-being members in our clinic. So they pay um, to come in for kind of well-being care continuing after their initial course of care. And then we started Wellbeing Revolution from that. And uh my job was to coach and train practitioners in the practice and I wrote everything down and then decided to make a few um, send a few messages to people that had asked me advice and said yeah. right I'm running this seminar do you want to come and they came and there was about 10 of them and then we ran the second seminar and they came for that too and then they decided they wanted to stay around um, and I realized that most of them were owners they weren't yeah. practitioners 
Um, and now at the moment, we're working with about 30 businesses. Um, we're training about 150 uh, practitioners um, through our, our programs. And um, my job is to support them in terms of where we are with our business, which is what I call operations level. So I can pretty much decide what I want to do in the business. That's why I'm here now yeah. with you um, and share that knowledge to help them get some freedom profits um, and performance in their businesses. And and I have to say, I'm very privileged and I love it. <laughs> so that's a little bit of an intro. No, and thank you for sharing that. And I mean, you can see from your energy, you're getting a lot of fulfillment from it. And, you know, what I think you've done well is you've, you, you know exactly what is right for you. Like you mentioned, you went from the high volume to, to you know, slightly lower volume. I did the exact same thing. I was at a 400 a week practice and I was exhausted. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, when I dropped my volume to what, what I wanted it to be and I had more time for that connection, I was way happier. You know, and now you've done the same mm -hmm. with the online business. So well done on that. And I mean, there's two things that I think all chiropractors would be interested in. One would be the the, the well-being and the, the membership model. The other one would be yeah. managing teams because those are two mm -hmm. managing teams. One of the toughest things for most docs was for yeah. me, um, and I'm sure it is for most. Um, and the the well-being model. I mean, it, you know, when we speak to clients and we talk to them about their practice, yeah. they often say, you know, we there's a new patient machine. We need more new patients. There's constant. You've got to feed the machine. And often, sometimes that is the problem, but often it's not the problem. There's a, there's a mm. retention problem. And yeah. the vast majority of chiropractors believe in wellness care, believe in optimization yeah. care. So they, they want their practice members to come in regularly for checks and adjustments if required. So let's go that direction a little bit in your, your yeah. um, and, and your team is going to come in here because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, for somebody to join your membership model, they have obviously had great care, but they've been educated in, in what you do and they see yeah. the value in what you do. And that's not going to be just the doctor doing that. I, I assume the team is very involved in that. Oh, yeah. So let's give us some kind of – if and, and because we have, say, 20 minutes, if you can give us some real practical things that can be done, say, on a Monday morning to, to sure. start moving towards that more um, membership model. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so the first thing I think if, if I kind of talk about the, the the main challenges, I think may help give some context to that. I think first of all, um, with a, you've said something really important, which is most chiropractors understand that we want our patients to carry on with care in some way. Yeah. And there becomes an incongruence because of that, because people pay for care. Yeah. So, you know, I often say to, to newly, I work with a lot of newly qualified practitioners and I have to do quite a lot of work to help them be able to express that because they feel like it's a good idea, but they can't quite get there. Is that is that there's an issue between paying, paying for care, which we feel is helping somebody. And is it OK to pay for something mm. that helps somebody? Um, then there's an issue with recommending care and the volume of that recommendation. And mm. there's a lot of ethical shaming that goes around that. Yeah. And then that then ties into results. So, you know, if somebody's not getting recommended the right volume of care, then potentially results get affected, which means practitioner pay gets affected. 
And then practitioners are upset because they're not earning enough, but then they're under recommending because they don't want to be ethically shamed. So we yeah. move along this really challenging cycle. And, and actually, yeah. you know, I work with people that aren't in the chiropractic profession and, and they experience that in their professions too. And I think sometimes we think that's just us. Um, oh, that's, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And I, and I think that's I think that's interesting, too. So I think that um, first thing we kind of have to get around is that. So if we become very clear on what we feel an ethical recommendation is, then we can start building a membership based practice. Okay. If we aren't in that space, we aren't going to build that list yeah. because we're going to under recommend care. We're going to start getting wishy washy when we start to communicate in the middle phase of care. And then we come to well-being care. Um, we've lost them before we've even got them that far. So I think foundations level number one is to get get really confident with your recommending. That for me is based in physiology. So um, if we understand healing processes, we go back to our science books and that's day one. You know, look at inflammatory processes, look at tissue healing and repair, look at degenerative cycles, all of those things. Then we know that six sessions is not going to cut it. Yeah, that's not going to give us long lasting change. So if we're committed to long lasting change, which most practitioners say they are, um, we then need to look at what our patient journey is. So are we looking at is it, are we managers of pain? Is that our main focus? And for some practitioners, it is. And that's OK. So what's our patient journey within that? Are we discharging patients at the end of that point, which means a membership model is probably not for you? Yeah, you can't um, shift mindset enough for a patient to see the value of, of being taken care of or adjusted or having care long-term in a pain-based phase of care. Because, it, you know, I would describe it as a bit like a lion with a with a thorn in its paw. It only cares about getting that thorn out yeah. of the paw right now. Yeah, if you're talking about, on. yeah, yeah, blinkers are right on. So phase one of care is about honoring the reason they came in and um, building trust. Yeah. And once you've done that, you've got somebody who's listening to you, which is then when they're open to phase two. Phase two is is challenging because priority goes down when pain goes down. Yeah. Um, we're willing to invest less. Um, so we need to. One of the biggest mistakes, actually, I see people wait with wait with membership is that they only recommend for pain based phase of care and they re recommend for for phase two, which is lifestyle change, rehabilitation, strengthening mindset work. Strength, endurance, mobility, resilience mm -hmm. is what we're going to get in phase two of care. Yeah. So moving from that phase, if we don't recommend at least to the end of that point in our original original recommendation, priority's gone down and we're seeing how it goes. I'm trying it on my own. Am I going to get another thorn in my paw? Well, yeah. some of the statistics out there say probably about 80 percent chances. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that the problem started way before the pain began. Yeah. So um, that's the, the next phase, thinking about that second phase of the patient journey. And then I would say spend some time and this would you do with any online business, right? Thinking about what, you, what that product is like. And a lot of the time I work with practitioners who have a maintenance uh, base in their practice, people that have continued on, but they have continued on because they've been recommended into that space. There hasn't been a decision made from the patient that I've decided that I'm actually making a commitment to my health and well-being long term to mm. decide I want to do this. And I think that's what differentiates a membership model from a maintenance model is because there is another key decision making point here. And once the patient has decided um, they are making a commitment to themselves 
which is what they always do, listen to us, to themselves to take care of themselves long term. So I think for, for your um, listeners is to make a decision what they want membership to be like. And that's the exciting thing, which is if you could want anything for, for anybody's well-being, mm. what would what it be and how would you structure that? Um, and then being very clear about who's in that group and who's not invited in. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I'm sure I'm sure you're in this space in terms of niches, you yeah. know, with, with any online business, you know, the smaller the niche, often the better it is. Um, yeah, sure. You know, we often think have a huge niche and you're going to get more people, but actually people don't understand the what opposite. you sound for. It's a paradox, yeah. Or, or what it's like. So um, with that third phase, um, we have a caveat that you have to be 75% improved in above or above in your initial problem mm. to be able to be a member. That's Otherwise, are you still in the middle phase of care? Are you not responding to care? in which case you're not a well-being member this is only for people who've made a commitment to continue on in some way shape or form with their well-being journey so um that's probably where i'd start on day one for, for membership is to plan that patient journey and i've got a question so because this is something when i was in practice i used to toy with is that you you have somebody that's in a lot of pain and like you say they, they, their mind is not in the frame of long-term thinking they're in stress response and if you start yeah. talking about living your optimal life their eyes are glazing over they're like they're just not uh, responsive to that yeah but now let's say you start the initial phase of care do you sow the seed of 100%. wellness care of membership in the beginning somewhere because what you also don't want is after eight weeks or three months you talk about wellness and they go what are you talking about you know it's 100%. like you now you're bringing on something i've never heard on before so how do you sow that seed even though you don't want to talk about things that they're not in um, you know a, a headspace to listen to yet yeah you're, you're absolutely right so so i think the seed sowing you you know that I don't know if, they, if this happens quite so much now where there used to be a magic report of findings that everybody wanted. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I okay. spent a load of money for your report of findings. What I've always found with this process is that it's never the report of findings, it's the new patient. Yeah. The new patient is about really finding out what they want, what they value, why it's important, why now, what great looks like for them, how you can get there, what the obstacles are. And then the, the report of findings just kind of says, I can help with that, That's it. really, if we get it and right. what it looks like, yeah. This is what it looks like. So the seeding process starts with those qualifying questions to make sure actually this person is open to the possibility. Yeah. So I would want to say in the new patient, if if you know if you could wave a magic wand for your well-being, whether you think we can help you with that or not, what does that look like for you? Mm. And a patient is making that is going into that space for themselves. No requirement. No requirement yeah. from me. You're not convincing either. You just ask it. Yeah. And and yeah. how it looks for them. I feel like I actually get really excited um, about asking patients those questions because I think it's a bloody privilege to be yeah. in somebody's head to find out what that is for them. And then yeah. it's really exciting to say, listen, I'm just going to let you into this secret. We can actually help you with that. I, yeah. I know that's not what you came for. Put that in your back pocket. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, so, so that's so they, got a little, they got a little promise there. And then in report of findings, we will say when we go through recommendation, and as long as you're this percentage improved, we'll discuss well-being care with you at this percentage mm. at this time, because we find that most patients see other benefits that they weren't expecting from care and feel fantastic and actually want to continue in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's it. And then there's obviously the table talk process that, that you go through that's throughout right. that, but 100% seeded, yeah. And then um, you, I mean, you spoke in the beginning about congruency. You know, I've, this is something I've thought about for long, long time. You know, there's a lack of congruency from the doctor. Then what happens is there's a lack of congruency from the front desk staff. Yeah. And I think this is so common where the front desk staff have a different set of beliefs than you do. Um, and they don't tell you that but it comes out in how they manage, you know, the flow of things. Whereas you have these CAs that are on fire, you know, that uh, it, it's almost like they, they so, um, so they believe so much in the principle that the, the patients just follow them, you know? So yeah. how are you um, managing that? Cause it can't just be at the interview, you teach them the, you know, the story of chiropractic, it's mm -hmm. got to be consistent and you've got to pick up if any incongruencies come up in them and, yeah. you know, challenge them if that's needed in a, in a loving way. So how do you do that on a consistent basis? Do you know, I find the front desk have less issues than the docs. <laughs> With incongruency. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. They, because they accept it. They, they're taught it like a patient. Yeah. They accept it like a patient and 100% and make sure that you're putting your team through a course of care. Yeah. You know, if they, if they don't experience it, it's very hard for them to talk about it. Um, yeah. But I find the docs find it more challenging because um, I think there's there's two spaces where they get bogged down. One is that they think that patients are like them. So I hear this a lot. You know, you talk, I wouldn't do this. That's your set of values. That's not necessarily your patient sets of set of values. And healthcare practitioners, especially chiros, are generally really fit and healthy. Yeah. We're generally, yeah. we're already there. Yeah. So sometimes we go, oh, I don't need to be seen that frequently, so I'll recommend the same for my patient. Well, what's that got to do with your patient? That's true. It's not. That's, that's not the true. person who sat in front of you. Um, so I think there's that part of it. Um, and then I think the incongruency comes from not really understanding how to do it, because it's easy to talk about pain it's difficult to talk about managing things that aren't painful. Yeah. So that's where I think that, it, so we need to get to a space where we really understand what chiropractic does outside of pain. Yeah. And congruence for the doc will come from research. Um, yeah. You know, mainly that's, that's certainly how it is in the UK. I'm sure it's, it's the same, but the congruence comes from, from research and then the congruence comes from testing it yeah. and seeing testing if it works. Seeing results, seeing, results, so, seeing open-minded. So I think if, if, if you've got people that want to scale team, just to answer the question a bit more about the front desk, is that, you know, what we've seen over the years is that you can only train individuals to a point and then you have to take some, put some systems in. Yeah. And then the system does a lot of the work for you. So, you yeah. know, do you send an, an onboarding sequence to your patients about care yeah. when they start? That actually takes care of a good chunk of your message. And you know yeah. that they they've got your message. So I think that the bigger you get, the more you have to leverage that a little bit because if it still relies on the individual, you'll end up with big holes in your bucket. Yeah. For sure, for sure. It's it's like any business, and I mean we see this in online businesses as well. You they always talk about online like zero to ten k. You know it's this, but when ten to twenty k, it's this. And what happens is as you go higher, there's more systems in place. Generally, yeah. the team starts to grow. And then you have to manage the systems rather than the individuals. 
Yeah. And uh, you know, same thing with the, the practice as the practice grows and your, your team grows like that. And then just a question around um, the logistics of this. So once the, the patient or practice member gets to that phase where they want to go into wellness care, mm -hmm. from a practical point of view, then are um, financially, are they put on a, some type of direct debit system or how do you work the financials around that? Yeah, so, so we do incentivize them um, with some with a reduction in price. Um, and they are put onto a direct debit. But this is, I think, one of the biggest mistakes that people make about membership is thinking it's about how they pay. You know, if they've signed up, then they're in. Well, actually, yeah. what you what you see initially when, when practitioners start doing this is they start to get a good, good amount of sign up in the beginning and then the patient drops off after two months um, yeah. Yeah. because it wasn't about that. So, so logistically, um, patients can pay as they go. Um, but they pay a higher price because they haven't made that same commitment to somebody yeah. who's paying direct debit. And we also, you know, if we've got if we've got some some patients with a bit of smarts, we'll say to them, look, it costs us less um, to have you on as go because we yeah. otherwise you'd all be queuing up in the welcome area every time yeah. you came in. I'd have to have twelve front desk people. So you're helping that's us. Right. That's why there's a reduction. But yeah. we're we're not contracted. Um, they can stop at any time. They can move yeah. throughout yeah. plans over a period of time yeah so you're just making it more convenient for everybody but if they ever change their mind you, you're not making them jump through hoops to go off it so there's a it's, it's yeah, a nice yeah. clean system that helps everyone. yeah yeah okay great and then um are you doing in-office talks are you do what anything else that you're doing from a retention point of view other than table talk on a consistent basis you know, we're working on quite a few things at the moment. So um, I think that our next process is to find a way to take as more people from that middle phase of care into well-being care. So um, we're looking at systemizing how we ask the questions and give patients an evaluation on their overall well-being. And that will be accessible to well-being members. They have additional reassessments. Um, they have offers with massage. So a lot of them have chiropractic and massage booked in. They mm -hmm. get priority booking. But one of the things that I've definitely seen is that um, when people do membership, they feel that they have to have big shock and awe, free gifts, lots of um, discounts. Actually, people come for results. They don't come for anything else. Yeah. And they come for the relationship, you know, yeah. but they come, for, they come for results. So we really focus on that what's happening in the room, good quality care, consistently making sure we're not dropping the ball um, and giving them the best support we possibly can. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Um, if we shift uh, gears a little bit and, and, and back to your story, because if we if we look at the, the people that join the Chiropractic Freedom Project, there's they're going in different directions. So some doctors want to do health coaching or functional medicine coaching, you know, or mindset, mm. personal development is quite common. Um, or they want to help with a specific condition or they love, teach, they want to teach moms about kids, you know, that mm. direction. But we have a big percentage of doctors that are successful in practice. And now they've got this urge to help other doctors do the same that they have done, which is, I suppose, kind of like your journey. So you had a very yeah. successful practice. And then what was it that drove you to now say, I actually want to take what I've learned and contribute to the profession going online? What was driving you to, to do that? So I think um, I think there's a couple of things. One is a bit of a story, which was um, I was in year 18 months into the clinic, um, newly married um, and pregnant. 
and um, I was there. Had one doc. Um, I had a an amazing friend who was just starting up his own clinic, who said he would cover me from maternity. Yeah. And um, over that period of time, we had a CA that had just started. I mean, we're right in the very basics, poor foundations, yeah. everything, the beginning phases. And um, I paid my doc thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds a month. And I had a hundred and fifty pound maternity pay a week. Um, and so I remember going, I really wish I was employed right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So so that was the first one. And, 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 and I see that a lot with female owners, you know, that that's a challenge that they face. And then after I had had my baby, I got ill. I, I had to have four four surgeries, and um, you know, and it was one of those situations where, um, you know, you're thinking, right, it's going to take six weeks this time, and then it was, and then it was more time, it was more time, and like we do, you're going in, and and, and um, without being too dramatic, I was lying on the floor between patients. You know, I'm going to keep my business going, um, but I'm not well. And I chose my business over my health at that point. And I probably make different choices now. But that's where I was. Um, and, and I really realized that you can't have a business reliant on one person. Yeah, you just can't have it. So I think for me, the, the catalyst to get my business where I needed to get it to came came from there but I did want team I did want to work with people I did have that inspired part of our journey I do care about transformations for our team and patients so that was at the heart of it um but taking it into to helping other people was then when I started teaching which I just love um mm. I I could see that they were having the same problems yeah and, I, and so so for me it was like okay I can help with this and I had more to, to share than I realized I had to share. And, and then yeah. and then all of a sudden you find yourself doing it without really asking to do it. And and, and here we are. And many of yeah. them are still with me, but their practices are, are amazing. And it's really yeah. super exciting. Oh, man, it, it's, it sounds similar to my journey in that. And how I visualize it now is you climb this mountain, you know, building your practice there, and you, you, you go through all these challenges and you get to the top and you have success. And then there's something there's something driving you to help somebody that's behind you up to where you are. And I really believe now that once you get to a certain level of success, true fulfillment comes from contribution. Yeah. So you even and yes, the income and, and the freedom is a big part of it, but it's definitely more than that. It's something driving mm -hmm. you to contribute. And yeah. that's why going into the coaching space or creating online courses is a, is a big part of that. So which is beautiful, you know, you successful and now you're contributing and success plus contribution for me equals a uh, true fulfillment. And that's what the, you know, the, the online coaching does for me and I'm sure for you as well. Uh, but um, Dr. Alex, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you. Um, you know, uh, what I love is that whenever I, I speak to people like yourself, there's just an authenticity there, you know, and uh, I, you know, that's what, and I see that so much in our profession, which is, mm. which is amazing. So you've given us huge value. Um, I'd love to have you a conversation with you again. Um, but uh, thank you for helping the people that follow us. And then if people want to know more about you, they go to wellbeing revolution. So what is the, the way yeah. that they can get hold of so, you? So um, Alex at wellbeingrevolution.com. Just send me okay. um, Alex thank at wellbeingrev.com. Well, yeah, I okay. still I'm still the person that you get on the other at the end of an email. And that's really important to me, you know. 
Okay, amazing. Okay, so email Alex um, if you have any other questions and then uh, have a great day uh, up in the UK and I'll speak to you soon again. Thank you. Bye-bye.